I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to this week's La Liga Lowdown Match Day Recap episode with me, your host, Jude McTeer, and with this episode rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. We're recapping Match Day 29 of the La Liga season in this episode, but we're also going to look back at the biggest game in Spain of the weekend that was last season's Copa del Rey final, the All-Basque 2019-20 final that was postponed from last April due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It was finally played this Saturday, and it was quite an occasion. Starting off under a Basque-esque rainstorm, really all that was missing was the fans. We normally have our Sore Throat Game of the Week segment at the end of part one of each of these podcasts. This is the segment where we bring you the wackiest commentary from a particular match, but we're going to bring it to you now as Matt Clark recaps the sounds of the cup final. Listen in and enjoy this Copa del Rey final report. The All Basque Copa del Rey final was a very special match and it had a special result. Real Sociedad won their first trophy for 34 years and the winning goal was scored by their captain, Miquel Oyazaba, the perfect symbol of the club, of Zubieta, of Gipuzkoa. He had missed his last two penalties and had also failed from the spot in the Supercopa in January, but this time he made no mistake. Here is how it sounded on Onda Cero with the great Alfredo Martinez on the microphone. At the final whistle, Raul Varela of Radio Marca captured the moment of triumph over three decades in the making. It's over. Champions of the Copa, Champions of Spain, Real Sociedad of San Sebastián, Oya Zabal, heir to Roberto López Urfarte, Imanol repeats the feat of John Toshak. In the moments immediately after the euphoria, Oyathabal emotionally spoke to the television cameras, voice almost breaking, tears in his eyes, speaking from the heart. 
eh, esto es para todos, para mi familia, para mis amigos, para todo el Real Sale que, que está aquí con nosotros, que los hemos sentido y, y esto es la hostia. This is for everyone, for family, friends and all the Real Sale. We feel them, this is la hostia. When Athletic enjoyed recent success, Aziad Via Libre had been quick to bring out the trumpet. Well, at the celebration dinner, La Real's Azir, Iyara of course, was the chief player in the band, and all the team sung along. But we have to finish with Imanol. At the end of his presser, he went from coach to fan, putting on the club shirt and holding a scarf above his head. He erupted into song and pure fan emotion. This is for all Kipuzkoa, all those who support La Real, he declared. This video has had more than 2 million views at the time of recording, and here it is in all its glory. Kipuzkoa, todos conmigo, eh? Pure raw emotion there from the Real Sofidad coach Imanol. If that press room had been full of journalists there in person instead of on a press conference Zoom call, I know he would have been given a stand innovation as he produced that emotional outburst in his blue and white Real Sofidad shirt as well. Let's keep analysing the final now by speaking to football journalist, author, Real Sofidad fan and long-time San Sebastian resident Phil Ball Having supported this club all these years, what did Saturday night's win mean to you, Phil? Well, it, it, it means a lot to me, and uh, for various reasons. I haven't really got long enough to explain those, but you know, I've been here for 30 years, and you know, part of my ability, I think, to, to settle down here, to assimilate to Basque culture and Spanish culture has been, has been due to, partly due to our sociedad, you know. We've been involved with the club, you know, my son, Played in the junior ranks, you know, he played for the feeder side, you know, I've seen the inside of the club and I I, I can tell you I'd like to take this opportunity, in fact, to say that uh, I'm very proud to be a, a supporter of this club because uh, I just think they're good people. I think it's a good club, I think it's well run, I think there are a lot of things. You, know, you must remember last season the in the in the cup run, the first game they played was at Betheril, it was against a side in Tethera, the third division, and uh, Real Sociedad won 8-0. And subsequently invited the uh, the whole pueblo, the whole town, which was a population of seven thousand, to a freebie in uh, in in Anoeta. You know, they 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 bust the whole population over here, gave them, uh, bought them lunch, and a freebie into the game. They, it was against Valencia eventually. Now, you know, that wasn't some kind of publicity stunt. You didn't actually see much of it in the press. You know, you had to really strain to find that in the press. And, you know, that, that's that's a measure of this club. And I think that they've done things in the past as well. I've written about them, you know, and, uh, and, I, and I wouldn't do it. You know, you can support a club and know very well that they're not very nice or something, but uh, you still support them because that's that's the way it is. Uh, I, I'm very proud to be associated with this club and to write about them. And I, I'm really, really happy that they won. 
I know you watched it in San Sebastian. What was the scene and the buzz like in the city during the game and at full time? Um, during the game, well, I don't know because it, the game started at half past nine, and uh, here in San Sebastian, anyway, the bars close at eight o'clock. So the the game was scheduled deliberately to make sure that there were no agglomerations or conglomerations of sweaty folks jumping up and down in bars. You know, uh, that was perfectly deliberate. The curfew on the streets here is ten o'clock, so uh, there was no there was nobody jumping in fountains after the game, if that's what you mean. What was interesting was that when the game finished, which was pretty late, well, half eleven, quarter twelve, because of the eight minutes extra time, <laughs> uh, I, I went out onto the balcony and uh, there were just people shouting and screaming, and um, you couldn't see any of anybody. You know, nobody was popping champagne corks and spraying each other, but uh, the whole balcony thing was amazing, you know. Uh, um, and people were just shouting and shouting, and dogs were barking, and people were howling, and for quite a while it was great. Back in Seville, it was the injured club captain, Asier Yaramendi, who lifted the trophy. But is it right to say that the real captain of this team in the present and in the future is the vice captain and match winner, Mikel Oyarzabal? Yes, they, they gave the uh, the trophy to Iliara. I thought that was great you know, that they did that. Um, Iliara's standing in the club, I think, um, it was was... Uh, reflected and illustrated in that in that act of generosity towards him and um, you know Iliana actually didn't really have much to do with the cup run last season because he was injured in the, uh, the the derby which was back in October last season but that's really not the point you know the point was that he is the captain of the side and is something of an institution here you know and uh, well respected and so uh, that was why they did that and I thought that was cool um, but Obviously, Oyarzabal, uh, Mikel Oyarzabal, is the uh, present uh, captain. Uh, he's only 23, you know, he's been captain now for a whole year. It's pretty amazing to be the captain, but he is a, he is a captain-like person. He's a pretty serious chap, you know, and he's he's respected. I mean, um, uh, that took uh, that took some balls to take that penalty, you know. Can you imagine the, the pressure of history on him, you know? And he, of course, he's a great penalty taker, but the three before that he'd missed, you know. He suddenly had this wobble in the penalties after after scoring I think it was 17 consecutively it was extraordinary you know he missed that one against Man United and then it seemed to set off a chain and of course but that's the that's the stuff that guy's made of you know uh, he's an excellent player and he's a he's an excellent guy and uh, um, very happy for him you know um, uh, and he's yeah I think the uh, the question your question is suggesting that he's the future captain and I I think that is that is the case. I think that when Iliara is up and running and healthy again, then he'll go back to being being second skipper. But uh, you know, I think the question of whether Iliara is going to be up and running again is still still in some doubt. You know, so uh, Mikel's the man. Yeah, Mikel's the man for pretty much the present and pretty much the future. Yeah. Now I messaged you, Phil, in the week before the final, and you told me that you feared that Inigo Martinez might score a match winner for Athletic against his former club. I replied by trying to keep your spirits up by saying, well, maybe he'll give away a penalty instead and maybe that's a narrative you can get behind. And, well, that's what happened. Inigo Martinez, I mean, he was always going to be a protagonist, wasn't he? And he even came close to scoring a goal too. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, when he hit that shot with his right foot, amazingly, the, uh, Ramiro tipped over the bar. I must say I was, uh, I was about to have some kind of heart attack there if that, if that had gone in. Uh, yeah, and uh, as you're saying, I, I had this recurring nightmare about uh, Inigo Martinez scoring the winner in the 93rd minute, you know, kissing the kissing the uh, the badge and lifting the trophy. That that would have been particularly difficult, I think, for for Real Sociedad fans far and wide, you know. Um, Inigo's a bit of a, a kind of pantomime villain for, for us here, you know. And uh, I, I don't think because of the... Because of going to Bilbao, I think part of the problem was just some of the things he said when he went. He, he could have been a little bit smarter, I think, in that sense. But it's all part of the mix, you know. It's all part. It's all part of the game. It's not really a horrible, nasty thing towards him, you know. But uh, he was hoisted on his own petard, as the phrase goes, I think. And uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that he gave away the penalty and could have, in fact, given away two penalties. I still think that that ball that was a handball, you know. Whether you whether it should have been or not isn't isn't, isn't the point. Uh, the referee had, had blown it, and I think it was inside. But anyway, whatever. The fact that he didn't go off doesn't matter now. But uh, you know, if if uh, Athletic had equalised or Inigo himself had equalised later on, then there would have been all hell to play, of course. But it didn't happen. And and actually, Martinez was 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 great after the game. Uh, there's footage of him walking around talking to all the Real players, and it's all pretty cool. So. Uh, you know, we've forgiven him. We've forgiven him. But indeed, he was the protagonist. Lastly, Phil, will Real Sociedad fans like yourself ever allow Athletic to live this defeat down? No, of course not. Of course not. That's that's the whole point. <laughs> Athletic fans for the last 30 years since I've been here have been poking fun at Real Sociedad for for not having any trophies compared to Athletic. You know? and, but of course, Athletic, Athletic forget that uh, in the post-Franco period, the record, trophy record of the two clubs is almost identical. So uh, it was in that, if you like, that pre-modern period when Athletic won all those trophies. They did win some in the 50s, it's true, but that's inevitable for a club of that's always had the industrial muscle of a much bigger city. You know, one would expect that. But no, they won't, they won't allow them to live it down. Uh, a lot of people that I, I work with, I work in education most of the time, and a lot of people that I work with are actually from Vizcaya and are athletic fans. It's part of the cultural mix, you know. And so, uh, because I'm not going back to work until uh, next week, at least there's a bit of time to get all the memes ready and rehearse all the, all the Mickey takes, which is going to be... Which is going to be great, of course, but uh, as you're suggesting, it might well go on for the next for the next twenty years. <laughs> great stuff. I don't doubt it. Well, congrats, Phil, and congrats to Real Sophie Dad. They'll need to have some of those memes ready in time for Wednesday already, because these two teams actually have their match day twenty nine league fixture against each other this Wednesday night in San Sebastian, no less. So that will certainly be interesting. For now, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to discuss the league matches that took place this weekend. And there were some important ones. That's coming up after this short pause. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We're looking at match day 29 and we're going to start the second half of the podcast by addressing one of the games with the least significant result, but potentially the most significant incident. On Sunday, Cadiz beat Valencia 2-1, but really the scoreline isn't what's important because the game was temporarily suspended in the first half after Mukhtar Diakabi told the referee that he'd been racially abused by Cadiz's Juan Cala. The Valencia players walked off the pitch together only to return later and finish the game without Diakabi, who was subbed off. Let's get the lowdown on what went on there by bringing in Paco Pollock now. As far as we know, Paco, what was it that happened with Diakabi in Cadiz versus Valencia? I believe we can use the match report for most of the information that we didn't have available during the actual game. In the 29th minute, Mokhtar Diakabi began chasing Juan Cala around the pitch while waving his arms after an allegedly racial slur from the local player. Diakabi stated to the ref that he had been called Negro de Mierda by Juan Cala and was out of his mind. The ref booked Diakabi for his complaints while the player had to be held back by a few teammates. Then Gabriel Paulista asked the defender if he wanted to leave the pitch, so the whole Valencia squad left, soon followed by Valencia's coach and staff. The whole Cadiz lineup followed suit, and for a few minutes, talks were held inside the locker rooms to see how to proceed. Valencia as a club claimed that the referee warned them that leaving mid-game could mean not only losing these three points, but also an additional three-point deduction and more consequences. After learning this, apparently Diakabi told the rest of the team to go back out to play, even though he wouldn't because he felt upset and he wasn't feeling fit to do so after the whole incident. Do you personally think the Valencia players should have gone back out to finish this game? No, 100% not. Valencia should have remained in the locker room and the game should have been over after such a serious incident took place. I don't really know why the team changed their mind, 
but surely the board should have stood by the lads and support them. Unfortunately, the last two years have been a constant disappointment in this sense, with Valencia's board being one of the weakest in the league, with no real weight or influence in La Liga, so I kind of understand how such a young squad felt pressure to play the full game. But that's definitely not the way to go if you want to make a real stand against racial abuse. Okay, thanks Paco. Yes, 100%. There can be no place for racist behaviour anywhere and a player like Diakabi should never be put in that position of having to walk off the pitch and then of having to decide whether to tell his teammates if they should stay or go back out. So, yeah, really ugly scenes there on Sunday that made the remainder of that match, well, very insignificant, to be honest. Let's talk now about the title race, OK? Barcelona haven't played yet in this match day because they've got a Monday night fixture against Real Valladolid, but they'll have been thrilled to see that Atletico Madrid dropped yet more points. They went away to Sevilla, and Sevilla were really good. They had an early penalty that Jan Oblak saved from Lucas Ocampos, but it ultimately didn't matter because Sevilla went on to win 1-0 anyway. Ocampos was involved in the goal too. Well, sort of. His outstretched arm blocked a Kevin Trippier clearance to win back possession for Sevilla. Then, 15 passes and 40 seconds later, Marcus Acuna headed in a Jesus Navas cross. The handball was quite clear, but VAR couldn't intervene because it wasn't considered to be part of the actual build-up to the goal. Atletico were angry about that and Koki criticised the referee after the game, even if subtly. But Atletico, they need to look at themselves and at their own recent performances because Barcelona are in good form, Real Madrid too, and it was a 2-0 win for Real Madrid over Ibar on Saturday in their game, and it could have been more because they had three goals disallowed for offside too. The right call, but it showed that they were really up for this. Let's discuss that game then and their upcoming clash with Liverpool as well. We'll do that now with Real Madrid reporter Emily Wilson. Just how perfect a Saturday afternoon was this for Real Madrid, Emily? You know, managing to get the three points while rotating the team and resting some players at the same time. To be honest, I think that was one of the best results any Madrid fan could have asked for on a, a weekend preparing for, you know, some tough matches ahead in the schedule. Rotation in the squad, uh, always good for injuries, always good to get some fresh legs on the pitch. And to be honest, I thought it was actually a pretty well done performance, considering how many changes Zidane brought into the squad as well. You know, people in different positions. You had both Mendy and Marcelo playing at the same time, too. That was also a nice feat to see. Overall, a win over Abar is, uh, yeah, another confident result for the side. Going back to Marcelo. What did you think of him playing together with Ferlamondi? And do you think we could see that partnership together against Liverpool? I think the Marcelo and Mendy partnership was interesting. Uh, again, I didn't see um, Marcelo starting this game at all. I did think it was just going to be Mendy, but seeing the Brazilian come in was a nice surprise. I think they handled the flank well. However, I don't think Zidane will have enough confidence going into you know, that tough match against Liverpool coming up ahead. Even if there's two legs to the game in the Champions League, I think he'll go for the regular lineup that he has been doing throughout the competition. Um, Though, as we get close to the end of the season, I think 
having the ability to see that both Marcelo and Mendy can play together is a positive note. Um, again, it helps with the rotation of the squad. As we know, Madrid have had a plethora of injuries this season. So if anything like that happens in um, the next few matches as the season rounds out, it's good to know that the two of them can play together. So overall, a positive thing. I just think um, having the one cameo of the two of them operating down the flank is not enough to actually have Zidane start them against the Reds. Obviously, there's no Sergio Ramos for that Liverpool game. Just how big a blow is that? I think in any game, not having Sergio Ramos in that Madrid backline is always detrimental. I believe out of the last 10 Champions League matches in particular that Madrid haven't had Ramos, they've suffered seven losses. And, you know, seven out of 10, 70%, that's a huge, huge statistic. Ramos is... The captain of the club, first of all, he has a true leadership mentality for that back line. And second of all, he has that experience. He's been at the club for so long, knows how to carry himself, knows how to carry his teammates in important matches. And he does it time and time again. So definitely against Liverpool, this is a massive loss. Was there any negative from a Real Madrid point of view from this game against Ibar? Anything you think Jurgen Klopp might have been intrigued by? Honestly, there wasn't too many negatives from that result against Abar. I thought Benzema was good. Um, Marco Sensio, also a phenomenal match from him, especially because he hasn't been performing as we know he can exactly in the last few matches. Um, the substitutes also had good showings, in my opinion. So Vinicius Jr., even Rodrigo, though he didn't get a goal, he was super close at some times. So nice to see the substitutions are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's make a difference and have an impact. Um, the one thing I would be concerned about is um, something that Real Madrid have struggled with for the last couple seasons, and that's just scoring the goals. You know, two offside goals in the first half and then another one in the second half that was ruled out. A total of three that are all waved off. That's a bit frustrating. Not even a bit frustrating, just very frustrating for a side who, over the last few seasons, as I said, has been struggling to find goals. In my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid and Liverpool went nil-nil for most of the first leg, and then the match ended up with a slim margin to decide the winner. Um, it's all going to come down to finishing, and I think that's the same issue that Jurgen Klopp has um, with his side as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think Real Madrid will have to find a way to stifle Diogo Jota, who's been on fire as of late for the Reds. But at the same time, with the way the back line has been, I think they can stifle any attacking threat from Liverpool and hopefully they find enough in their gears to get one past Allison. Okay, thanks, Emily. Moving on to some of the other fixtures from the weekend. Huesca moved off the bottom of the table with a very good 2-0 win away at Levante with Rafa Mir scoring both the goals in that one. Huesca are 18th now, still inside the relegation zone and two points behind 17th placed Elche, who collected a point with a well-earned 1-1 draw against Inform Real Betis. At the very bottom of the table then, we have Ibar and Alaves, both on 23 points. Ibar, as we mentioned, lost to Real Madrid. Alaves, meanwhile, they lost 3-1 to Celta Vigo, and it could have been a lot worse, actually. They were 3-0 down after just 20 minutes. With reports of infighting in the Alaves dressing room, it's not a good situation there at all. And they are the team towards the bottom with the least encouraging signs right now. 
Osasuna and Hatafi in 14th and 15th looked to be high enough up to be safe and they met this weekend playing out an absolutely dreadful 0-0 draw. There was one good moment in that game though as everyone's favourite Maverick striker Chimmy Avila was back from injury. After 435 days out, he played a La Liga game once again. There's just one game left that we've not mentioned and that's Granada versus Villarreal from Saturday. It was a clash between Spain's two remaining Europa League sides, but Villarreal were far superior on the day and won this game 3-0 with Gerard Moreno scoring a hat-trick. We've not heard from our good friend and Villarreal fan Alan Dodson for a while, so let's bring this episode to an end with some thoughts shared by Alan on this victory, on Gerard Moreno being amazing and on the team's Europa League chances. Over to you, Alan. Hey guys, um, yeah, Villarreal have uh, seemed like they've turned the corner with five wins, um, three in the league and two in the Europa League um, recently. I do think that um, one of the things about Unai Emery's um, approach to the to the game is he's been tinkering a lot with um, formations, but also recently lineups, and I think that um, that's really paid off. And we've managed to get many of our injured players back, which has helped too. So yeah, I think we, I think we are um, feeling pretty good right now in terms of in terms of how the team is is uh, doing. Gerard Moreno, um, yeah, Gerard right now is just on fire. I think he's kind of like the um, when you hear a golfer talk about how the the hole suddenly just seems like it's really big and the and the ball is going to go into it. <laughs> I think that's probably the way the net looks to him right now. It's hard to hard to argue against him being one of the top strikers in La Liga right now. Um, top players. He's uh, I think 19 goals out of 24, and I think it's not just the goals. He's not a pure striker. You know, he's somebody who really I've always thought of him as someone who sort of drops back toward the toward um, the midfield, gathers the ball and, and makes things happen from there. Even when he first came up to our first team the year we were in the Segunda, the thing that impressed me right away was the fact that he just he makes other players around him better. And I think that's um, just as important as the as the goal scoring. When you look at at his effort every game, it's just been tremendous. And um, so, yeah, I think he's he's um, clearly one of the players that I would that I would put on my La Liga team of the year, no question. And we now look ahead to the Europa League. Um, it was interesting that uh, we played Granada because they also have a midweek Europa League tie. On paper, um, ours looks easier. I think you'd rather be facing Dinamo Zagreb than Manchester United, for sure. And it's also generally thought to be an advantage to have the second leg at home, which Villarreal does and uh, Granada does not. So, yeah, on paper, it looks like an easier tie for us. One advantage, I think, for us is we aren't playing in front of a really hostile crowd there. Um which well, the last time we played them in the Europe in Europe, which was way back in 2010-11 in the group stage, I think I remember the uh, atmosphere there was was a little heated. Um, never saw so many flares uh, in my life. Um, but yeah, the uh, 
I think it's on paper, it's got to be a good tie for us. And certainly we're going into it with a lot of momentum. I think we can probably, I don't know that we'll come back with a win, but I think we can probably get a, get a result and get a score draw or something at least. And that would, that would be fine. I think the key is really scoring a goal um, in the away leg. And uh, if we can win 2-1, so much the better. So Villarreal will be taking on Dinamo Zagreb this midweek. Granada face Manchester United and it's Real Madrid versus Liverpool too, plus that midweek fast derby in the league. So be sure to follow La Liga Lowdown on social media to keep on top of it all. Right now, I just want to thank all the contributors we've had to this week's episode. Thanks to Matt Clark, Phil Ball, Paco Pollitt, Emily Wilson and Alan Dodson there. I've been your host, Hugh McTeer, and we'll be back at the same time next week to talk about Match Day 30, the Match Day of El Clasico. So speak to you then. And thanks for listening today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.